Welcome to Manifit Podcast, where we explore life-sustaining and changing strategies in everything fitness, food, and faith. So pull up a chair and sit at the table with your hosts, Jay Hiller and Jesse Roth. Jesse, good morning, man. Hey, Jay. What's up, buddy? Not a whole lot. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I actually slept pretty good last night. How are you doing? Uh, I'm I'm doing really well, but I have to sit here and say this is probably my favorite time of the year. Spring season brings the sweetest fruit there is. You got strawberries, you got blueberries, you got mangoes, you got bananas, you got pineapples. Oh, they're all just so sweet and juicy. I went to Costco the other day and they had like a large, large batch of blueberries. And I thought I was in heaven when I saw the price and the blueberries. I was like, yes. And so I just have this massive craving right now to have sweet fruit. And I was talking to my sister-in-law and I was sitting here saying, man, springtime is such a great time for the sweet fruit. I'm so sad that when the summer hits and then the fall kicks in. And then she just enlightened me and made my day so much better by sitting here and saying, well, the fruit just changes because you got peaches, you've got Uh, watermelon, you've got cantaloupes, you got canary melons, and then it starts bringing in towards oranges and you start getting towards the season of apples again. I was like, man, God is good. He doesn't just let strawberries and blueberries conquer all. Mm-hmm. All year round, because I'm pretty sure I would eat strawberries and blueberries from January to December, from Christmas to New Year's every single time. So like <laughs> right now I have this massive fruit craving and I'm like, we're talking about habits and I'm like, oh my gosh, spring has just cued me to consume 6 billion pounds of fruit. <laughs> and so I'm just like, this is delicious. Well, I mean, I guess there could be uh, worse things for you to have a craving for. Yeah, um, yeah, they're the hundred percent. But I am just absolutely stoked. The flavors back in the fruit. I mean, if you ever get like strawberries and blueberries in like October or November, yeah, they're a little bit more expensive. But the the natural flavored sweetness is just just not there. They're this this natural like flavorful punch like a gusher do you remember those things man no yeah i remember them yes but i think my uh dislike for gushers probably stems closely to my uh not favoring blueberries and strawberries (laughs) it's a a texture thing and and i guess that bite into a juice you know spout into your mouth uh, probably is the the same culprit there uh, i personally like the oranges and the apples and all of that so you know there truly is a, a time and a place and a season for everything so well i was reading again with james clear and then i was reading with bj fogg and wendy wood um their books, not them. Although it would be really cool to meet them. You were um, just, you were just like reading their palms. Yeah, yeah. I was reading them palms and feeling their presence next to me on the couch. They were, they were lots of positive. Yeah, had, had the whole 
ambient light going on, mm-hmm. the soft music. That's, La- lavender. The, hey, Jay, that's getting a little romantic here. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, um, but I was reading theirs, and they made a really interesting statement. They sat here, and they said, every action is preceded by a prediction. Then, mm-hmm. right after that, they sat here, and they said, predictions equate to feelings. And so my mm-hmm. brain was like, man, I've got this feeling, this craving of desire for a strawberry or a blueberry. Mm-hmm. How in the world did I get to this place of like desire? We joke about like you go to the grocery store, your cue is your stomach. But is there like what is that that craving in that like prediction uh, uh, that leads me to the feelings of desire for the fruit like is there like a set of desires yeah i mean i think us? i think it's it's engraved in us um, yeah i mean if you think about back to the pilot episode we kind of talked about the the reason behind our name the manifit uh podcast and that nana um there was that desire um for the the israelites when they were coming out of egypt they were hungry they had that desire to have that comfort and they were contemplating going back into slavery in egypt Mm. just to Mm. have that that comfort so i i do think there's this ingrained desire to meet these basic needs and um abraham maslow actually has a hierarchy of needs and the very bottom layer of his pyramid is your physiological needs. So that's your things you have to do to just basically survive. So breathing, eating, uh, having water, getting your sleep. Um, and then once you satisfy that need, then it builds upon itself. So now we're in a society um, where we're actually at the very top, where we're at this point of where we're trying to self-improve ourselves, getting ourselves actualization where we're looking at creativity trying to problem solve like that's why we're here doing a podcast because we've met all these basic needs and Mm. progressed up Mm. the ladder yeah so you bring up another really good point so the israelites they left egypt Mm -hmm. they they had a pillar of fire guiding Mm -hmm. them by night they had Mm -hmm. a pillar of smoke with God driving this column. I mean, what more power can be displayed to you until they get into the desert? And then mm-hmm. they start sitting here going, oh my gosh, I want to go back into the slavery where at least we had food. Mm-hmm. And yet God mm-hmm. is providing them with manna, right? Mm-hmm. And so that makes me sit here and go, okay, well, wait a minute. You're being fed. So your first layer is met by God, mm-hmm. the food. Do you, would you presume, and I say presume because we don't have the di- direct scripture that's going sure. to sit here and uh, correlate back to this. And we don't have uh, firsthand evidence. I forgot to ask uh, uh, Moses as he was guiding them last time I talked to him uh, in my ambiance feeling. But yeah. <laughs> do you think that there might have been a habit because there was generations that were in Egypt. Do you think that there might've been some habitual desire for them to go back to what they knew instead of striving for what God had placed for them that he says was better? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think you've, I think that's just 
natural. Yes. Like I think about, I'm going to get the the scripture wrong, but uh, Paul um, talks about, you know, he does the things that he doesn't want to do because they've just been ingrained in him. And I think it's from a spiritual sense, it's our, our sinful bodies that Mm. drive us to comfort. We're going to take the, the easy road every time. Oh, absolutely. We're like water. Yeah, unless if we consciously um, try to divert that path. And so I think that's where, you know, the cues become a huge um, importance of guiding us to to be like, hey, you're going down the easy road. It's time to make that decision, that fork in the road, and go back down the the right road, the hard road, the road less traveled. And Man. Um, that, that's to satisfy that craving. Yeah, and and so I would probably also sit here and agree with you all the way up, and I don't have any like interjections except for would you also sit here and look at that cue, which we 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 sit here and we uh, don't necessarily know is happening because it's our mm-hmm. unconscious mind, sure. which is truly a phenomenon that God placed inside ourselves, sure. and then the feeling. That feeling of hunger, that feeling of anger, that feeling of lustfulness, that mm-hmm. feeling of excitement, that would be our predictor in our first cue that we are in a habituated presence, like we are mm-hmm. about to do something. And so when you say you, we got to get to that decision, I mm-hmm. think our first step in recognizing, oh, we have a, a habit that's kind of in play it's not all the way through we have a we have a habit that the game the the ball is about to be snapped the play is about to begin the pitcher is about to throw the ball it, it we, we are about to do something is that feeling like whenever your game is about to start you get those butterflies in your stomach mm-hmm. or you get anxious mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. that habit is about to start and so i really find that that is truly where God was sitting here and saying, you know what? I love y'all. I'm removing you from this bad situation in Egypt where you've been oppressed. You've been uh, treated unfairly. You've been set here and abused and neglected. And I'm moving you to this land in which, yes, it's going to be hard. There was nothing about their travel that was supposed to be easy. Right. You mentioned earlier, we are like water. We are, we are, we like the path of least resistance. So as we travel, as they traveled, uh, east, yeah, yeah, east, (laughs) uh, sorry, had to mentally look at a map. Uh, (laughs) As they traveled east, they're going, man, this is getting harder and harder. And their feelings were directly correlating back to their habits that were already established in Egypt because they're more. And God's love was like, no, I have something better for you. And I, I can't I can't tell you how much you made sense for us today in our day-to-day lives. And like when we're going to go eat, when we're going to go work out, when we're interacting with someone that might not have the uh, the best attitude or the the most pleasantry of conversations. We get these feelings, but we kind of just... We don't make a decision about them. We just Mm -hmm. recognize our feelings. We recognize our heart rate kind of get a little faster because we're getting anxious or we feel our palms and they're starting to get a little sweaty or our breath 
it sits there and quickens a little bit, but right. we don't consciously stop and go, whoa, that's a different feeling than I had five minutes ago. Is this the direction that I want to go? And so I think that's what is so beneficial for us whenever James Clear sits here and goes, hey, let's use the point and call system, which oh. you were talking to me about this. So why don't, why don't you tell, t- tell me, tell me again. Tell me about that point and call system. Yeah. I mean, so it's basically um, just straightforward like it sounds. You're going to sit there and you're going to kind of take a mental note of what you do in a daily um, routine. And you're going to call out those cues, those habits. So you can also pair this with the the scorecard, which um, I think we've talked about before in the past, but if not, quick reminder. So the habit scorecard is where you just uh, look at everything you've done in a day and you put either a plus, a minus, or equal sign for positive, negative, or neutral response um, or cue. And then you can kind of dictate or or help that dictate uh, your progress to whatever you're trying to achieve behavioral wise. And so the point and call system is, is just that when you get that urge or you can feel that sense coming up, you can sit there, take a minute, take a deep breath and be like, why am I feeling this? What mm. led to me feel this way? And what is my typical response? Now this all sounds well and good in theory. Um, I think everything we talk about, you know, makes a lot of sense in theory, but the practicality of in the moment, in the craving, um, how do we implement this? Yeah. So um, before I jump into that, I want to sit here and give an example of an experiment that was done that sat here and um, will make more sense to come. So there was an experiment with chimpanzees Mm -hmm. and we all know that chimpanzees are rather smart animals. Mm -hmm. And so they had two sets of chimpanzees. They had one set of chimpanzees that learned to use tools to crack nuts, to eat the insides of the nuts. Mm -hmm. And then you had another that was more primitive and had not learned to utilize the tools to crack the nuts. Well, the scientists took the, um, one chimpanzee that from the uh, group that used tools and put them in the group that did not have tools to crack the nuts. And you would think, oh my gosh, the uh, primitive chimpanzees will learn. They'll learn to be more efficient because they're driven by hunger. But what they found was the chimpanzee that was surrounded by the primitive chimpanzees actually stopped using the tools and didn't actively eat the fruit as efficiently as he was doing with his group and the others. And so it was almost like he was trying to fit in. Mm -hmm. And so when you're saying it's like when we're got to make the decision about the cravings, I think we need to sit here and kind of look about how does, how does our cravings, how can we manipulate our cravings and our feelings into a positive direction of who we want to be or what we desire? Well, um, let me let me cut you off real quick. Um, I that is really well said, and and it brings to mind that not only how can we kind of manipulate or, or move the cravings into a better or the cueing into a better desire, but um, it kind of brings up the the big point that your environment drives a lot of this also yes 
and it may be of where you were going, but I'm kind of thinking no. personally, you know, if I go and I uh, go on a trip with my family, um, especially my sister and them, my sister eats really healthy. Like I'm more inclined to eat a salad or do something like that. But if I go hang out with a group of guys, you know, I'm more inclined to get some wings and grab some beer um, because that's what they do. So um, surrounding yourself, changing your environment is, is really um, key and really important as well. Yeah. So that is kind of direction I was going. So I'm glad that we're on the same page. You're a genius. So um, you are, but there was, we were, t- there's three things that we sit here and kind of look at in which human nature kind of focuses on. Mm-hmm. And the first one is the focus on the many. So the more that there is performing the same desire or the Mm -hmm. same action, the more likely that we're going to participate in it. And so like if you surround yourself and there's nothing wrong with them, in my opinion, it's just a different uh, desire of spending time. But if you put yourself around a bunch of people that play video games Mm -hmm. and your desire is to be to run a half marathon, you're more likely to actually play the video game than you mm. are going to sit here and train for that half marathon. You could pay for it. You could buy the shoes. You could buy the clothes. You could sit here and already mentally see yourself with a medal, but you're not going to train because you're surrounded by individuals that don't share the same goal. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at how we're going to utilize those cravings, we really should consider what our a surrounding atmosphere is with how many people there are. And then with Mm. that same premise, we sit here and we focus on what is closely associated with us. And what I mean by that is you look at the people that you have the deepest relationships with your, the, your parents, your kids, the people that live in the same household with you, your family, your friends, the people, your friends, the people that you choose who you want to be. I mean, there's an old saying is if you, uh, if you want to teach me who you are, show me your friends mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and y- you are who your friends are. Same reason, same premise as you are what you eat. Mm-hmm. Um, but the close group of people are the ones that really sit here and can help shape who you are and what direction you're going to become. There was a, uh, a uh, I'm going to call him a scientist. I don't believe that he was a scientist, but uh, he was a scientist over in Europe. And he believed that there was nothing about innate power or innate intelligence. He said it was all developed by uh, work and driven effort. And Mm -hmm. he had three daughters and he decided that he was going to sit here and show them on how they were going to be uh, highly intelligent and work was going to be their, uh, their greatest aspiration by playing chess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And each one of his daughters became grandmasters before the age of 20 in chess. And when they asked the daughters, if they're, their livelihood was uh, kind of like short-sighted or manipulated or they didn't appreciate it or they felt they felt slit, uh, slighted by their childhood. They said, no, they thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, how could you I- enjoy a livelihood in which your dad and your mom 
They constantly just put chess pieces in front of yourself. You watch chess, you play chess, you practice chess, you record your moves on chess, you sit and you read chess books and you study. It's the people that are close to you. And that's Mm -hmm. how you're going to sit here and create the cravings and direct them in a positive manner. And then the last one is we follow the powerful. And so whenever we sit here and we're following the powerful, you got to look at the individuals of modern day successes, Elon Musk, um, uh, drawing a blank. We could do Nolan Ryan, um, you know, Bill Gates. You could sit here and do Tom Brady. You, you can do, the powerful people because they've mm-hmm. already mapped out where you want to go. So you mm-hmm. study those people and those sit here and really give a good um, way to sit here and direct those cravings is if you can manipulate your environment, like you said, and get the people who are close to you and the people that uh, have the same viewpoints as you around you increase the number of people that have the same direction you're trying to get. And then you study the people that have already gone where you go. You're setting yourself up for a good creation of a positive habit of where you would like to go. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes a whole lot of sense. You know, I think, uh, in a real, um, up-to-date kind of scenario of this as we've seen it with the whole COVID interaction we've had. Um, you know, when it first hit, when COVID first hit, we were all um, reserved. We were all probably a little bit like, oh, this is just whatever. And then as it progressed that first year, more and more people, as it got massively known and you see these influencers on social media and the entertainment business, you see them um, speaking out for it. Then you start seeing this cultural change. And um, it kind of, for those of you who, who listened to our last, last podcast, we encourage you to go and listen to Admiral McRaven's uh, video of his commencement speech. And this is what we're talking about. I mean, this is the power of changing um, our cues, changing our cravings as we can change a society um, starting first with ourselves and then our family and moving up to those power positions, like you said. Um, I think that's just really neat, really um, just ingenious how our brains are, are work that way. Uh, but there is a aspect of that, Jay, that um, is chemical and based and um, kind of natural, if you will, that we potentially could manipulate and set us up for a better success. Um, And I'm talking about, you know, dopamine, talking about uh, circadian rhythms. Uh, Mm. What are your thoughts on that? Why don't you explain a little bit of what we're talking about? Yeah. So whenever we're looking and anticipating something positive or that we're going to enjoy, our brain actually releases a neurochemical called dopamine. And that dopamine prepares our body to sit here and feel the positive effects. It it sits here and uh, makes us more attentive, more uh, alert, more ready to experience it. And what we know is that the more positive an experience that you have, Mm -hmm. the better that you're going to do it again. Mm -hmm. The more worse an experience is going to have, 
the less likely you're going to sit here and perform um, that action again. And like James Clear, he sat here and said, your habits are modern day solutions to ancient desires. Mm -hmm. So when I read that, I go, okay, so if the dopamine is released and it provides the, the positive aspect of the habit, these habits are trying to answer ancient desires. We're just trying to find the most efficient way to sit mm-hmm. here and perform that. So mm-hmm. the best way to perform it is in a happy situation. But that's not always the case because we're not always happy. We're not always feeling the best. I mean, a lot of times we sit here and by the end of the day, when we're starting to get tired, we start getting more agitated. We get more ear. Uh, we feel like we want to slow down. We want to sit here mm-hmm. and uh, be alone. We want to, as other people say, recharge independently. So, I mean, the dopamine at that point is not necessarily what's driving. It's more of what you mentioned, Jesse, the circadian rhythm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and really, they kind of go together. They're kind of a big um, graph, if you will, where you get this increase and then you get the top of the bell curve and it starts to come down. And so what researchers have found in our circadian rhythm, which for those of you who don't know, is basically just how awake you are versus how tired you are, um, is that certain times of the day are circadian Cadian rhythm is up, which means our cortisol levels are up, which means we're on a higher alert system, if you will, not necessarily like stressed out, which that does play a role if you're like hyperly stressed, like anxiety, but just being in a more alert state, a more um, awake state. And so what they found is that as you sleep, that circadian rhythm recharges and we go up and we have the state inclined to about the midday. And then as midday comes around to about noon to two o'clock, it starts to decrease. And then we really get this, this low uh, before we get to a point where it's like, we're just so tired. We have to um, go to sleep. And so I find it really interesting that different cultures actually probably without even knowing it um, really manipulate Um, the circadian cycle. And so like cultures like Germany, Italy, Spain, where they do these siestas in the middle of the day, uh, what really is happening from a physiological point of view, uh, from a metabolical point of view, is that they're hitting their peak cortisol, uh, dopamine, um, circadian height um, at that 10 to 12 o'clock. And then as they start to go down, they're going to take a little one to two hour nap Um, or at least a rest time. And then once that catches back up, they're going to go work hard again for a couple hours. So they work a lot less um, hour time frame than we do in the United States. But I mean, you could almost argue that they're probably more effective in what they do um, and and more uh, alert and getting stuff done. And so it it's really interesting when you look at it from that point of view that like if we want mm-hmm. to um, achieve these cravings, you know, achieve this desire, but we want to do it in a more positive light, mm-hmm. then we really need to be looking at uh, these times of the day that we feel more alert, that we have higher energy and try to do what's called habit stacking on top of that. Um, and I think BJ Fogg talks about that. Is that right, Jay? Yeah, so BJ Fogg is the developer of a program over in California, 
and he just uh, developed the behavior design lab and he sits here and he takes the premise of you already have a habit. You sit here and you add a little task into the habit and you're going to be more likely to sit here and be successful in the overall task. So like to sit here and say um, a better mindfulness state, uh, a better mindfulness state is when uh, when you are more aware of your internal, uh, your body's needs. And so one way he sits here and he suggests a tiny habit for mindfulness is when you first wake up, that alarm goes off, you hit the stop button, you put your feet on the floor and you sit here and you give yourself a positive affirmation. And then you say a small prayer of thanks for one more day and then you proceed on to going to like the bathroom and that small task of putting your feet on the floor and saying, giving a small prayer of thanks or giving you yourself a positive affirmation is not a long time. And yet it won't interrupt the desire of the habit and you will slowly be able to build yourself a positive routine to set yourself in a positive direction for the rest of the day. And these tiny habits can be fit in just about anywhere. Mm-hmm. You just have to recognize the direction that you're going and find a way that you can just uh, mitigate it just a little bit like a spiritual one. If you're going to sit here and you're like, I'm going to study the Bible, you can manipulate your environment with tiny changes to sit Mm -hmm. here and cue yourself to sit here and become more uh, susceptible to scripture uh, of of, um, from the Bible and sitting here and like you can get little cards and you can write a verse on a card and you can. Use a magnet, hold it up up on your fridge just above where your water dispenser is. Place your Bible at the last place that you were reading by the coffee pot in the morning so that whenever you hit the coffee pot on, your Bible's already open. You don't have to read it, but it will cue your subconscious to sit here and do it. So you're stacking an action that you desire with a habit that already happens. If you're somebody that takes your lunch to work, you can sit here and you can... uh, put your your bible or the book that your your life group is working through on the counter so that you can look at it and then you can have your note card of like what the last chapter was and you can Mm -hmm. be reviewing as you're making your Mm -hmm. lunch it's not hard to make a lunch Mm -hmm. you don't need a whole lot of thought process there or for an exercise uh, perspective if you're a runner take your shoes your running shoes, put them by the door as you're getting into your, uh, in, uh, leaving the house to go to the garage. You sit here and you focus on um, the small things that you can do. I mean, there's even scripture that tells you to do tiny habits. In mm-hmm. Deuteronomy 6, uh, verse number 7, God sits here and tells you to sit here and put his word on the doors of your house. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an easy way to sit here and go, Yes. As I leave the house, I'm thinking about God and Christ. And as I enter into my house, I'm thinking about God and Christ. And in that same verse, it also sits here and says, teach your children about the laws of Moses and um, God's rules um, and his relationship while you're walking on the street. And what does that mean? You're adding a tiny habit into your societal 
demand, the societal demand is you have to go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. You have to go to the gas station, which I'm not appreciative right now. (laughs) It's super expensive, but it's a place in which you can interject a tiny habit. And what's hilarious to me, Jesse, is these books, which were written in 1980 and to present day 2022 about the study of habit. Well, funny thing, 2000 years ago, they were already interjecting tiny habits into scripture. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, man, I love that actually so much. It, I love hearing and, and seeing a different mindset um, when we think about just different things uh, in life and how when you search to the scripture, it's there. Yeah. Um, it, and you might have never noticed it before. And then someone like you bring brings it up and it's like, oh, wait, you know what? You're absolutely correct. Um, and so, yeah, to our listeners out there, I would just encourage you all to really uh, take hold of everything that Jay kind of just um, spoke about, um, especially to our guy listeners out there. I think women do a really good job of the small things and put in these little reminders. But I feel like uh, us as men, we maybe it's a pride thing. We think, oh, no, I'll remember. Oh, no, um, I don't need to do that. Or, oh, I don't have time to do that. Um, But there is always time and there's always something that you can interject these little things in. Um, For instance, every morning when I get to work, I get there a little bit early to finish notes from the day before. Uh, I flip on the daily audio Bible um, and I just listen to um, that day's scripture reading. Um, Now, yes, we can debate on whether how attentive I am for it, but at least I'm hearing it um, even if it's through a subconscious uh, point of view. And so for days that I don't have time to fully dive in, at least I'm getting a little bit. Um, And again, that's what it's all about is being that 1% better so we can be 35 times better by the end Mm. of the year. Mm. Um, So we just encourage y'all to just continue striving forward. Um, continue to make these small changes, um, continue to search and look for areas that uh, need better cueing to satisfy a more optimal craving desire. Um, and so we'd love to hear from y'all. Uh, you can hit us up on our socials at Manifit Podcast um, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can email us. We would love to see y'all scorecards. We would love to answer any questions you have about how you can implement these. So go ahead and give us an email um, at Manifit22 at gmail.com and then check out our website at www.acast.com uh, forward slash Manifit. Um, and then we just want to just wish blessings upon you and your family uh, for the rest of the, today, for the rest of the week. Um, and then just remember, uh, God loves you. Um, he's there for you. Um, and then may he just always bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Mana Fit Podcast. Check out our website, www.acast.com slash or like and subscribe at Manifit Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have questions or want to just reach out, you can email us at Manifit22 at gmail.com. And as always, may God bless you and keep you.